Hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast. I'm Riley. And I am Sam. And tell me, Riley, I'm just going to go, I'm going to jump into it. Just jump straight um, in. What are, we, what are we speaking about on this lovely afternoon? On this gorgeous afternoon where, first of all, it's afternoon. We're not recording this at 9 p.m. on a <laughs> weeknight, which is great. It's a weekend afternoon. And we are discussing The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab, which is a book that the two of us both read together about a month ago. And Mm -hmm. it's taken us, I would say, a hot minute to actually get around to recording it because I think we knew this discussion might take some some more brain power than what we (laughs) usually have on, like, a a Tuesday at 9 p.m. Uh So, uh... I'm excited to talk about this, but I it'll be interesting because it has been like it's not so so fresh in my mind. I've read other books since this since. book. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. I uh, I would say let's get right into it, but before we do that, what are you drinking today? Um today I am once again drinking a watermelon flavored LaCroix. Well, you're in your, you're a LaCroix era these days. I'm really in my LaCroix era, which is quite interesting because it only recently like started getting warm here and I feel like LaCroix is big summer energy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to me that I got into this this era when I like the weather was like awful and I was cold. <laughs> I think it's because I like I don't want to drink any caffeine after a certain point in the day, mm-hmm. but I but I like want something, you know? Like I don't want to just drink water or like a chocolate milk. I like want a bubbly something and this has just enough like to quench that that thirst. Um also I'm like, look at me drinking water. I don't know if this really like counts. As, like, water consumption. I mean, I'm sure it counts a a little bit, but I feel like the doctor's like, you should just drink fresh water. I don't know. But I like to feel like this is making me healthier. I don't think it probably is, but. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't know, because I actually think this to myself pretty often because I consume a lot of beverages during the day, but very few of them are just, like, plain water. So I'm always wondering, like, am I dehydrated? Or am I staying hydrated by drinking, like, all these little sodas and drinks? I don't know. Well, and, like, my problem is is a lot of what I drink is definitely, what do they call it, like, a diuretic? Is that the word? Where, like, it's, like, coffee and tea, which actually, like, sort of dehydrate you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, am I, (laughs) like, am I, like, countering every liquid that enters my body? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know how the science behind that works. Also, I don't know if you can tell in my voice, uh, but I'm sick. I got sick after the Eras tour last week, which I knew would happen because, you know, I'm in a room with 70,000 people and Mm -hmm. someone's bound to have something. But I like I have been trying to drink more water because I'm sick uh, in hopes that that'll make speed up my body's healing process. And like consciously drinking just plain water it takes a lot of like i ha- i have to really make a conscious effort because i'm never mm-hmm. like just thirsty for plain water 
I know. Neither am I. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people just are like, oh, I really want a glass of water. And that never occurs to me. No, not unless I've like been working out or outside in the heat or something. Yeah. I don't know. But also, if I sound stuffy, I'm not sick. My allergies are just totally inflamed right now because before it was all the blossoms like flower blossoms that those allergens were getting me and now it's all the trees because they're all leafed out and so i'm just in a state of suffering but what are you drinking riley i'm drinking a dutch bros chocolate crunch cold brew Ooh, chocolate crunch i've never even heard of that one it's like their new like seasonal one that they have right now i think the only reason it's called chocolate crunch is because there's a bunch of like when you first get it, it has a bunch of crumbled like Oreo and cookie bits on top of it because they put like soft top and then a bunch of little crunchies oh. on top. Uh, but I already drank all of that stuff off the top. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm drinking the actual cold brew. But the fun thing about Dutch Bros cold brew is you could tell me that there's no coffee in this and I'd believe you. Well, it's really interesting because I'm actually really glad that you said that because I used to have Dutch Bros pretty often when I lived in Spokane, mm-hmm. like during the summers and stuff. I thought it was so good and it still is really good. But now I only go when I'm in Spokane. There's not one anywhere near me or anything like that. So it's definitely like a rare sort of special occasion thing. And the last few times I've gone, I've gotten like my regular drinks that I always get there and I was like this is just too like too sweet for me I was like I need this like watered down it was too much and I didn't know if I had changed or if they had changed but I think maybe it's uh, it's me I think maybe I think we're you're just... just growing up and yeah what a shame changing <laughs> I know I feel like we talked about this on another episode recently yeah I think like so our palettes have changed anyway should we talk about this book? I actually have energy because I'm drinking caffeine for once. I know. I, so I'm excited. Different, different. I did take a nap earlier and I was feeling pretty drowsy post-nap. But I think now I'm like feeling the energy that I gained from the nap. We didn't do any of our usual warnings, but oh, I uh, forgot. <laughs> this we will be spoiling the entirety of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Um, by V.E. Schwab, if you didn't already figure that out. Um, We also do tend to use strong language. So if you have sensitive ears around you or just not interested in that sort of thing, this is just maybe not the podcast for you. Yep. Um, First impressions or initial rating of this book. My initial rating, I think, is a 7 out of 10. I feel like this is a really solid 7 for me Mm -hmm. what about you yeah I think I'm probably gonna go predictably slightly lower with like a 6.5 I agree I think it was a very solid book but I'm giving it a 6.5 because my anticipation going into it was pretty high Mm -hmm. and it it did underperform in some areas for me. Not not across the board, but I think when I finished it, I was a little like, hmm. That, you know? I had a similar experience. Because this book is so yeah. hyped. 
it's really, really hyped and it's all over the place. And like when you read the little whatever back summary, it's so intriguing. It's such an interesting concept. And I I think that it was just really set up to be something that I thought was going to kind of rock my world Mm -hmm. and leave me with like a lot of thoughts Mm -hmm. and like spiraling when I was finished. And, And I really didn't experience any of those things. Wow, you took the words right out of my mouth. I could have said the same thing. I just because people always talk about how this book made them ugly cry and it made them rethink and have an existential crisis and all this stuff. So I was honestly a little scared to read this because I'm in a place in my life where I'm feeling kind of lost and directionless. And I mm-hmm. just kind of vaguely knowing what this book was about, I was like, God, is this book going to make me like have a full-blown existential crisis uh it didn't it had a few lines that i felt like wow Mm -hmm. that's really relatable but it it didn't go quite as deep as i thought it would and maybe i should be grateful that it didn't like send me totally spiraling (laughs) (laughs) but i expected it to so it was weird to come out of it and be like oh that was it yeah yeah it, it was very interesting, and I think we'll get more into that as we discuss. Uh, but let's start with the things we did like, okay. which I will say, you kind of alluded to this, some of the most beautiful writing I've read in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I actually have some V.E. Schwab books um, for a series that she's written that I want to read next just because I was so in love with the writing style and there were some really fantastic lines and Mm -hmm. I think the writing was so poetic and lyrical that I I really enjoyed that that did not the writing itself did not disappoint Mm -hmm. did you have that experience I did and I'm actually pulling up some uh of the quotes that I had saved because I agree, the writing was really beautiful, and it that I think made for a really enjoyable reading experience. Because B. E. Schwab is a pretty kind of like you said, like lyrical, poetic mm-hmm. type of writer. Like it's just really beautiful prose with a lot of really poignant metaphors. And so there was this one quote in particular that um, at the beginning of the book, I was like, "Oh, damn! This is the kind of writing we're in for." It's um, I think. I don't remember what the context of this quote, but Addie meets someone. She has the sense that they would have been friends if this person was able to remember her. And then it says, she tries not to think about that. She swears sometimes her memory runs forward as well as back, unspooling to show the roads she'll never get to travel. But that way lies madness and she has learned not to follow. And that kind of imagery of like a thread unspooling kind of carries Mm -hmm. through out the novel regarding like memory and time and I just found that that kind of imagery to be really effective in the types of discussions that were taking place in this book about memories and times and different pathways your life can take and all -hmm. that kind of stuff so yeah all that is to say I really love the writing style and there were a lot of really beautiful quotes that some of them like hurt to read but then it's like Mm -hmm. the overall actual effect of the book maybe didn't have like I wasn't hurting at the end you know 
Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> okay. So I don't know if we should get into like, like, do you have any other positives? Like anything that you really loved or enjoyed about the book? Um, it was a great, uh, I guess not, maybe not commentary, but I loved all the discussion about art. I love that Addie yes. loves art and there's this whole theme of like her being able to influence art without actually being able to create art, mm-hmm. which I found really fascinating. So that whole theme and kind of through line of the entire story was really also effective for me. So I liked yeah. the writing style and I liked Addie as a character and as, I don't know, she had really interesting thoughts a lot of the time, especially regarding art and history yeah no I also really enjoyed the art um piece and I really this is a shocking one because you know I don't usually (laughs) I don't always read those little like beginning chapter oh yeah uh like extras so to speak they're not they shouldn't be extras they're just part of the novel Sam (laughs) but uh in this book the start of sections would have a piece of art and Mm -hmm. like that little explanation you know that you see in a museum that explains what the art is and who created it where it came from so on and so forth and I really actually enjoyed reading those and then reading in the text following like how that art sort of came to be and sometimes it was really obvious like she was very intentionally influencing it it told us you know, this art was created from point A to point B, and this Mm -hmm. is where Addie interjected kind of thing. And then others, it wasn't until you sort of finished that section, you thought about it, where you were like, oh, this is how her influence got in there. And it was much more like subtle and less intentional. And so I did really enjoy that. And I liked how that provided a little bit of extra structure to Addie's story because we were moving between time periods. Yes. I think understanding the like the type of art that was being created and when and by whom helped place me in her like timeline much easier. Um which is interesting because I think in previous conversations, we've noticed that I I tend to fully disregard any, like, sense of time whatsoever. It uh-huh. just <laughs> – I don't know why. I just have no thoughts about it. But I think maybe because we were talking about hundreds of years' worth of time and not just, like a like, a regular person's lifetime, it was more important for me to place – like what historic era she was in. Yeah. And I think I also really enjoy art. And so I'm not going to say like I'm an art connoisseur or anything like that, but I know enough to recognize that we were transitioning through the eras of art, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and like we found ourselves at the end, she's inspiration for like a modernist piece. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, just a portrait versus an impressionism. You know, all of those things kind of layered in. Yeah. And so I I really enjoyed that piece of it. 
Um, I'm surprised you read all those things. I'm going to be honest. I, I was know. reading them and I was like, I bet you Sam skips these. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so the thing is, is I read the first one because I was like, just give it a chance, Sam. And and if the first one hadn't had that, I think the first one is the bird, the yeah, wooden the little bird. And I was like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to give it a chance. And if I ultimately feel like it's kind of fluff and meaningless, I'm not reading anymore. Right. But I I did at the end of that. I was like, okay, that was actually interesting. And I see the purpose of why this is here. I think that's my problem is a lot of times I don't always see the purpose, which is pretty maybe stupid of me. (laughs) Um, But... I really felt like it contributed to the work as a whole, so I did read them. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. Yeah, I enjoyed that too because it did show also that all of the different ways that Addie could influence a piece of mm-hmm. art, whether it was like an actually a, a portrait or a painting of her or just something that, like like the birds, was a lot more indirect. Like this was just something mm-hmm. that once belonged to her and then she dropped it. So... I really liked that as well because I think Addie throughout this story kind of has this realization slowly that even though she can't, she doesn't have the power to create art due to this curse, she still has a power to influence other people to create. And so it's it's fun seeing how she unintentionally inspires people at first and then she starts kind of doing it on purpose, like at the end with Toby mm-hmm. and that song. So I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about this actual curse. Um, actually, what I want to know is, do you feel like Addie was a relatable character in how she felt about this curse and how she handled it? Like, do you think you would have felt similar to her? Yes and no. I think. I think it's difficult because... Addie in the beginning, I don't know if it was because we didn't spend enough time with her or it was just the writing style, but I I like felt her desperation Mm -hmm. came through to like escape this life. But in the moment I was like, like when she is getting cursed, making this deal, so to speak, um, I was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. I would I was like, this everything about this is a red flag. Everything about this is a bad idea. I get we're desperate, but like this is gonna be worse. And I felt like the writing was really on the wall there. And I did not I did not resonate her when she made the choice. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe it's just because I I don't know. I've never I've never been in that situation or anything close to feeling that right. way. And so I think that that was difficult for me to connect with. And then I do think in the moments where she, like, she leans on the curse as a way to sort of stick it to uh, Luke Mm -hmm. to be like, you know, screw you. I hate you. So I'm going to make the absolute most of this and, like, work around this to the most of my like possibility I that really resonated with me I enjoyed that I think Addie as a character I felt like I understood her choices but I never felt emotionally connected with her 
I wonder if that's so, why the book didn't have as much impact as we kind of anticipated. Because I felt similarly where sometimes I felt like I really connected with her, but other times I was like, girl, what? Well, and I don't know if it was because the bulk of the like juicy bit, so to speak, the stuff that was supposed to be really emotional happening in the present day she was like kind of callous by the time we reached that point. So there was yeah. a certain level of like apathy to her, I think, where it was like, I don't know, like she just felt indifferent in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not how she was. And like the text tells us something different, but emotionally what was coming through to me was a little bit of indifference. So I felt a little bit indifferent like I what are your thoughts on like Henry how did you feel about him I liked him but I didn't like have I just don't really have super strong feelings about him exactly like I liked him but I did not love him I did not I I, like like I think that there's just like a lack of punch there because I didn't ever feel what Addie and Henry were supposedly feeling for each other. Mm-hmm. And so even when we get to the end with like the sacrifice and the loss and the the whole revelation that he's done this and blah, 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 I was like, well, that sucks. You know, like <laughs> I was like, anyway, no thoughts. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Did you feel like she was relatable or did you already answer that? And I forgot. Uh no I don't, I haven't really answered it I think I think sh- I I found her relatable especially in the beginning which the beginning of this book was kind of hard to read because it's so yeah. sad and like that's when she I think is most relatable because it was so raw like she was mm-hmm. so desperate and I I could definitely feel that desperation like you said and then she gets this curse and no one remembers her and she has no home and nowhere to go and she's hungry but she won't die of hunger so she has to find a way to survive and she's on the streets and it just all of that was really sad and really poignant like the emotions really came through Mm -hmm. in that time I could feel like her loneliness and desperation and then I also enjoyed how she kind of started to become like indignant and wanting to stick it to luke like you mm-hmm. cursed me so i'm gonna make the most of this i did kind of resonate with that too because he was an asshole in the beginning like i did this to you and <laughs> i'm gonna take your soul and whatever and she was like literally fuck you i'm gonna find my way through this and so i enjoyed that and related to that but it was like you said to kind of throughout the book especially as we got into present day I didn't connect with her nearly as much, probably because she's just so uh, kind of emotionally disconnected from everything she does because she can't let herself get emotionally invested in anything Mm -hmm. because everyone just forgets her the next day. So, yeah. 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 And I this is kind of I also really enjoyed or enjoyed is probably not the right word. Um, But I found the historical content to be much more emotionally impactful. Mm hmm. And But I do wish that we had maybe, like, I just wish that there had been, like, maybe more shenanigans in her past. Mm -hmm. Because we get, she, like, tells us that she's gotten good at 
thieving. And we see in the modern day that she's like really good at sort of weaving in and out of people's lives to Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, make the best of her situation. And like when she stays at that one movie star's like apartment, she like sneaks in. I was like loving this. And I wish that there had been more moments like that or of her sort of conquering that a little bit more because the historic stuff was just so sad that I was desperate for her to get a win. And I, like, didn't want to read at a certain point because it was such a downer. Yeah. And there were there was, like, no light at the end of the tunnel because even when we get to present day where she's figured out all of this stuff for a good portion of the book, she's just, like, sort of having like a still like an awful time you know Mm -hmm. she like can survive fine now but she's so lonely and so just depressing that you don't really want to read it and so I just wish that there was like a few peppered in moments of her actually like we got more of her using the curse to her advantage rather than her just mentioning that she's done these things in the past or that she's cultivated this skill in the past. I think that maybe would have been helpful for me. Well, something that I actually heard um, someone else say about this book is that they were frustrated that all of the anecdotes we did get from Addie's like, history and past were her interactions with other people but not necessarily like adventures yeah it was like for almost three-fourths of the book I felt like we were on a highlight reel of the saddest moments of her life yeah literally and I was like listen I feel like I could have gotten the point that all of this is really really hard and that this curse is genuinely a curse it is not a blessing she is suffering she is suffering every single day I feel like we could have captured that in a much fewer pages and like fewer story like past stories had to be focused on that level of suffering I don't know Mm -hmm. if V.E. Schwab like really wanted to convey the specifics of the curse and that was like the focus is she like wanted to show like Addie figuring she like has a great way of saying it where she like talks about like finding out the ins and outs like the curves of the curse or something like that yeah it's like a great line and the the past stories do tell us about the contours of the curse Mm -hmm. and the contours of her relationship with Luke as it develops. But I just don't think that it was necessary for all of those to be so dismal at every turn. I will say one thing that did do though, was it made it really impactful when she has that moment where Henry says, I remember you. That was really emotionally impactful for me because all we've gotten is all these mm-hmm. l's <laughs> and she finally truly gets a w when someone remembers her and so it's like oh we've read all this suffering from her and now someone's gonna remember her and now we know the story's taking a turn so that was like probably the most exciting part of the book for me but then like once she actually gets involved with henry and they start hanging out and whatever i was kind of feeling like 
I, I feel like this is more of a relationship of convenience than anything else. Like, yeah. I don't think these people are necessarily destined to be with one another. Yeah, no. And I think that that I felt the exact same way where we don't ever reckon with this in the book, no. which is really surprising to me of this idea of do her and Henry actually like have this real relationship and if neither of them were cursed would they even be that into each other or is it just because they are each other's quote-unquote loophole to their own curses that that's like what keeps them so tight and the book never addresses that which i think then as a reader when she makes that sacrifice for him and she's like so brokenhearted for him and you know, they, they like find out that they have this limited time and it's this whole thing. It doesn't feel very impactful because I'm not convinced that they're actually that into each other. Yeah. And so I, I do think that that probably also played a role in how I felt uh, emotionally disconnected. Yeah. But I guess that is a that's a good tee in to uh, who do you think is Addie's OTP and does she even have one? My take is that she, like most people, is different Mm -hmm. throughout different stages of her life. And so she could have any number of, like, OTP or soulmates. I don't think Henry's one of them. But I Mm -hmm. think, for example, Remy, her and him had a really special connection. And they could have been... OTP at that point in her life mm-hmm. just because of you know where her experiences were at that time with all that being said I think it's got to be her and Luke because he's the only one who really I understands know. her after the end of I, everything I, I agree completely I think that there I think it's difficult because like he is an asshole and we like know that he's an objectively bad guy, but he is the only one who understands her and he is the only one who has known her for so long that I think I was a little, I was just like annoyed by the ending because First of all, like I said, didn't feel a ton of impact from her sacrifice for Henry. And then I was like, oh, but now she's going to end up with Luke. But she has this whole little monologue about how she knows he's going to be bored of her. And once he's bored of her, like she'll be free, which I did appreciate her loophole. I I thought Mm -hmm. that that was interesting. I thought that was good. Um like a like a an interesting twist but i was like i'm not convinced that luke is going to be bored of you like i think that was hard for me cuz i was like no i i actually feel like they like i don't know i i feel like they could be very successful together as a couple and so i didn't it was difficult to villainize him in the same way that i felt like addy was villainizing him at the end mhm do you think Luke loved her? Because I do. I, I mean, I do. I think that just because somebody loves you does all, not always mean that it's, like, healthy and a 
good thing. Right. Totally. But I, yeah, I think he did. And I think it was interesting to me because we kept on getting throughout the book, like these little allusions to their time in New Orleans and that like, it was clear something had happened there. They hadn't spoken since and yada, yada, yada. It'd been like 30 years or something. And so I was like waiting to find out like what it was. And in my mind, I, I was guessing, oh, I bet they sleep together like one time. And that like changes the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then we actually find out that they like had a whole ass life together. Yeah. And they had a house together. And he like finally gave her that like sense of permanence that she so desperately wanted and and all this stuff and then you find out that it ended horribly and I was like oh I don't know it's something about that was really dissatisfying to me and I don't I can't exactly articulate or put my finger on why but I felt like the that should have been if it was going to be that big of a relationship for the two of them mm-hmm. not just like a step forward but like a whole ass lifetime forward you know like the course of like a real relationship mm-hmm. i think we should have been introduced to that way earlier like i th- i just wish that that new orleans story was much earlier in the book interesting i'm just thinking about that i because i feel like for me it seemed like it made sense that once she finally acknowledged, like, oh, I have some type of feelings for you. Let's be together. That they made it work for a while, and then it would stop working, ultimately. hmm So, I... Yeah. I don't I, know. I don't disagree with how the New Orleans storyline played out. I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. The part I... I think I was frustrated with was I feel like I should have had that information sooner in the story that she had Mm. had somebody she had had a relationship with somebody that was long term they remembered her they built a semi life together and she's had that moment already yeah before she meets Henry that I think it was I think it was weird for me to spend this whole portion of the book thinking that her like relationship with Henry was the first time she'd ever experienced this mm-hmm. and it was like a totally new thing and that that's part of what made it so special only to find out that she's actually already had this sort of thing with Luke where they had a full relationship and he obviously remembers her and it, it was like a real tangible thing I think that was like jarring to me yeah, that makes sense. Because it did kind of come out of nowhere where we're, like, getting all these sad stories about how she's always forgotten and forlorn. And then it come to find out, oh, she's had, like, a happy long-term relationship before that ended poorly. But Henry isn't her first long-term relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. And, the, and, like, thinking about that now, that makes Henry kind of interesting because he's obviously very different from Luke. Mm -hmm. And that he didn't know anything about her really before they started, Mm -hmm. before they like entered into this relationship. It seemed almost like a, more of like a selfish thing for him because he was like, oh, this timer is ticking, like, I'm going to die. So here's someone Mm -hmm. who's not cursed or who is not affected by my curse. 
let me just have a good time with her. Like, I just, yeah, their relationship wasn't convincing to me. Whereas Addie mm-hmm. and Luke, I feel like, do fundamentally understand something about the other that no one else ever will understand. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I will say, what did you think about how Henry, how so Addie, when she was a human way back in her first life, so to speak, yeah, before the curse, drew this guy and Luke modeled himself after him, but Henry also looks just like him and is like a real boy, so to speak. Yeah. Like, what do we think that implies? Like, does it imply that Henry and Addie were always fated? Like, she'd been thinking of him prior to her curse, and the fact that Luke happens to look like him is just because Luke picked that face and actually has no bearing on fate at all? Or is it, like, something different? I don't know. I don't know either. That is... Because it was an interesting choice to have a big part of what draws Addie to Henry be the fact that he looks like that drawing she made forever ago. I kind of wonder, to me, the way that reads is that Luke wanted to do this on purpose to Addie. Like, Mm -hmm. wanted to give her someone that counteracted the curse and then take it away. And when he saw Henry and saw what he looked like and was like, oh, they both live in New York, he was like, wow, this is a great opportunity. Like, that's how I see Mm -hmm. it, is that Luke was able to kind of use his idea of what he knows Addie likes in a man (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, um, and kind of use that to his advantage to trick her into falling in love with this guy. Because the whole... Her whole relationship with Henry seems very much like it was orchestrated by Luke without her knowing. And I think the fact, like, what Henry looks like is a big part of that. Because I also wonder if Henry had been just, like, some random blonde dude or something who looked nothing like what Addie's Mm -hmm. mental image was, would she have been as drawn to him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm getting at here is I don't necessarily think they're, like fated to be together i think <laughs> yeah luke saw what he looked like and was like oh this is an opportunity to totally pull one over on her and that's mm-hmm. what he yeah it just i think it is interesting and once again it makes the book i don't understand why people cried reading this book mm-hmm. um me either and i think especially thinking about the fact that it was all orchestrated by Luke from the very beginning as a long-term like it was part of his long con of getting Addie to be his yeah and we know they have all this history and yada yada that I just think her and Henry's relationship just seems so superficial and like such a blip yeah in comparison to Luke and Addie's very tumultuous long-term hundred years relationship and so i just i like do i simply do not get it yeah something else i also am curious about because you mentioned earlier back when Addie was human so do you mm-hmm. think of her as not human i 
I think of her as not a human. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that at a certain point, once again, kind of talking about how she's so detached in the present day, I do think at a certain point, she becomes more like Luke than she is like other fellow humans. Yeah. And so, and and I know in the book, she reckons with that a little bit. And I think it actually lands on she is human and like she's different from Luke. Is that how the book lands on it? Because uh, I know what it, I know she, I know he like brings it up to her and like yeah. says you are, I'm more like you than you are like them. And but, I, th- I think she wants to believe that's not true and that she is yeah. human. But I don't really agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think she's just, she's truly the antithesis of Luke in every way. Like they are a mirror of one another. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't think she's human. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think that's why by the end, Luke is really the only person, well, person, <laughs> the only being <laughs> who is suitable to be in a relationship with her because they're the same and there's no one else like them. Like, mm-hmm. Addie has become whatever he is. I don't even really know what he is, a devil of some kind. And she is, like you said, sort of the antithesis of that. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is when I think about when back when she meets Remy, I think back at that time, I would still consider her to be human because she was still like fully reckoning with this curse and how desperate she was to want to create art and leave a mark on the world. And and then by... So, like, they would have worked together at that time. But Addie, at the end of the story, meeting someone like Remy would not have worked because she Mm -hmm. was so different and so detached and just seemed to have a much, a bigger, a different perspective of, like, time and life Mm -hmm. and memories in a way, the similar way that Luke would. Yeah. I feel like I just said a bunch of unintelligible... Like, I'm like Harry Styles <laughs> talking about a movie that feels like a movie. <laughs> but it's true. That, that That's how I would describe this book. This book is a movie that feels like a movie. <laughs> that's, that's what I have to say. What did you... Let's talk a little bit about the moral of this story. Yes. Do you feel like there was one? So, yes, I, I mean, I think moral is maybe not the right word. I think there was a commentary mm-hmm. on the meaning of life, a commentary on what it means to be human. And I think maybe like a, uh, there's some kind of commentary in there as far as what it means to leave your mark. Mm-hmm. Did you have any any others i feel like there's a moral trying to be made or like a message of Mm. be careful what you wish for and don't make a deal with the devil but it didn't i don't feel like it came across maybe the way that it was yes so i didn't find it very effective i agree and i think the reason why i even pose the question of like what is the moral of the story i think before we started recording i said that i i I asked, do you think this book is fake deep? 
And I think it's because, like, this book, everything in it sets up this framework that it is got all of these commentaries about, you know, life and morality and humanity and choices we make, blah, blah, blah. And these, like, big philosophical... Philosophic, philosophical, philosophical. Thank you. Conversations and like topics, and I, I don't feel like we really hit any of them. Even if we were like pursuing a moral of the story, I never felt like it really landed in a way that meant anything to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I feel like. Maybe too many points were trying to be made at once. Yeah, I think I just was left with this impression of, like, I finished the book and I had no thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think for a book that's trying to wrestle with these huge concepts, I should have a lot of thoughts when I finish it. Mm-hmm. Like, I should really be thinking about how these things make me feel how do they change my worldview how do they make me rethink my own life and I had none of that yeah the only thing that made me potentially not rethink but that made me reflect on my own life is that I was thinking about Addie and how she has this very clear kind of um, excitement like what drives her in life is she loves new experiences and new mm-hmm. and and art basically is what she's yeah. into and i really resonated with that so after reading this book i was like damn i need to visit europe <laughs> like that's <laughs> what i was thinking i started thinking of all these places i haven't visited and all these new experiences i haven't had yet and was mm-hmm. like damn i need to uh start working on that and stop sitting here yeah on my beanbag reading books all day but that was really it like I didn't I thought it was gonna send me into more of an existential crisis about like the purpose of life and fate and Mm -hmm. strings that pull you in different directions and all this stuff and I just I don't feel like it ever really got there so yeah yeah I I would agree and I also think that what commentary there was, was not new. Yeah. You know, like, making deals with the devil. Like, like that's a literal catchphrase. Right. That There's nothing new or interesting about that. She made a deal with the devil and it was bad. And it didn't work out the way she intended it. That's but then it, tale as old as time. It sort of did work in the end, though. Like, she figured out a way to make it work and, like kind of pull one over on the devil at the end so it wasn't even like kind of that's why it didn't come across to me as like oh don't don't make a deal with it or like oh you be careful what you wish for because like she got what she wished for and sure it was rough for a while but she kind of made it work and she like became something else that's not human Mm -hmm. in order to adapt to this these circumstances she was in so in a way, everything kind of worked out for her. And that's, I think, maybe why I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think I, I think it was just really lackluster at the end. And I think that maybe it would have been 
almost more satisfying if she had just sacrificed herself and been mm-hmm. like, fine, take my soul. Mm-hmm. And that's like the end of her life. I think that that would have maybe provided me with a little bit more closure because we end the book knowing that she's still living forever. Yeah. I know. I definitely anticipated her dying by the end of the story. And then she just, we don't really know what happens. And like, Henry publishes the book that she wrote. Uh huh. And I thought we were going to get a clear connection that the book that we are currently reading is the book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't really land that way. And so I was like, hmm, maybe that's not what I'm supposed to take away. I know. What were your thoughts? It was giving um, the end of Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo as well. Evelyn Hugo. I don't want to <laughs> spoil that, but it was the same kind of thing where it was like, am I supposed to be thinking that what, I, what I've been reading, it was written by a character in this story because yeah. i didn't i don't it didn't really land that i that way i ended with questions like huh, maybe yeah and it and it wasn't like the good kind of question that yeah. made me like really contemplate it was just like hmm this feels like an unintentional loose end somehow yeah and i also didn't understand she's like leaving with death leaving Liz with luke mm-hmm. and like is she pretending she likes him i like i like understand that she's confused. like tricked him yeah but is she he's they're like in that bookshop at the end and they seem very amicable he seems very into her i know and so i'm like is she just faking it that she likes him or is she just finally leaning into what she's been denying the whole time but then she's like, oh, he, like, in the back of her mind, she's like, I'm going to sabotage trick him. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I was like, well, are you sabotaging this relationship right now? And, like, being super annoying so he doesn't want you around? Or are you being, like, lovey-dovey? Which then seems counterintuitive because he would want you around. So I don't I, – I think the ending left me a little kerfuffled. Kerfuffled. <laughs> yeah i just i was yeah i was bamboozled (laughs) um yeah in a way i didn't want to be no i agree because i think what probably the point that was supposed to be made was that Mm -hmm. addy her entire life has made this her her whole existence about pulling one over on luke and essentially beating him at his own game and so then at the end, I think we're supposed to interpret that she she does that. Like, she wins, essentially, by sabotaging him. But I just didn't really get that because I kind of was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if she, if that's actually what she wants. Like, if winning at Luke's yeah. game is actually what she wants. I, I'm not convinced that it is. And so... No, I agree. Well, and I think it's especially because I think that's a great point because after their time in New Orleans, even when she meets Henry, it's much more of, oh, I want to protect this special thing that he doesn't know about. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I want to have this thing to pull one over on him. Yeah. Like, it seems like at a certain point, she, like, passes that point of being like, oh, I want to get one over on him to I just want to live in peace kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so this idea that then at the end 
she goes back to wanting to pull one over on him. Doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense. It felt a little bit like V. Schwab wrote this book and then was like, oh shoot, did I over romanticize Luke and like make him come out as a guy that character or readers are going to be like, oh, I low-key love him, you know? Mm-hmm. And, sh- and they were like, oh, that's not the the vibe I was hoping to get from him. So I'm going to add in this piece that she is pulling one over on him. It felt a little afterthoughty. Like it, it did feel forced. And so I... Yeah, to me, it didn't know. show really any growth in Addie's, like, perspective. Yeah. I feel like it would have been more, um, I guess, effective or meaningful if Addie just kind of, like, came to the realization that, like, oh, after all this, I've made my whole existence about pulling one over on Luke, but actually, I'm happiest when I'm with him, or, like, we're meant for each other, or he's the mm-hmm. only one who understands me, or something. Like, accepting that her humanity is gone and leaving it behind. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't do that. And so I think that's why it's frustrating at the end because it's like you as the reader are coming to this realization that like Addie has kind of lost what is what fundamentally makes someone human. But I feel like maybe mm-hmm. the point that was trying to be made was that Addie still has what makes someone fundamentally human. And so maybe that's why it feels fake deep because it's like, it, it's not convincing. Yeah, it's like where where's the evidence? Yeah, yeah. There's no evidence where's to me that beef? Addie is is fundamentally human at her core, mm-hmm. and so it just comes across fake. It's also kind of interesting because as you were talking about Addie and Luke, I do kind of wonder. I feel like there maybe should have been some similar to the Henry situation, where their relationship you as the reader are not really convinced that it's or like it organically would have existed without the curse. I think there should have been some kind of commentary on how Luke and Addie's relationship is maybe like a little like Stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. in the sense that, I mean, he is kind of her captor yeah. in a lot of ways. He has a ton of control over her. Every time he appears in her life, he he's the one. Can, he power. can literally do anything. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the one in power, and so them even having this arc where they fall in love has a should have a weird tinge on it of. What's the power dynamic here? And what role is that playing in how Addie feels mm-hmm. about him? Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that piece ever really is addressed. I think that there's like a weird element, especially having her end up with him, where it's like, hmm, I think we should have had more discussion and more contemplation on Addie's part about acknowledging the power that he has over her and yes she's trying to work around the curse yes she's trying to pull one over on him but at the end of the day like he is infinitely more powerful than she is and she is is actually really vulnerable to him and we never get that because that's a really important piece if you're going to set up this framework of oh does luke love her are they like 
fated to be and like he's a very romantic character and he takes her to these shows and he's very swoon worthy mm-hmm. and I do think that we should have maybe I don't know there's I think the more I think about it the more I'm like hmm, that's actually kind of icky yeah it definitely is because what he's essentially done is he more or less created her like she yeah he took he someone who was human and shaped her into something completely different and she really didn't have a lot of control despite you know what she tried to do to re- to feel like she had a semblance of control so yeah that's never really addressed like at all yeah because i think i think it's interesting that her and Henry's relationship is puppeted. Mm-hmm. And then her and Luke's relationship, you can also say, is very similarly puppeted in the way that he molds her into this woman that he wants her to be. Mm-hmm. And you kind of zoom out, and I'm left with this impression of, is there even an Addie, like a real Addie LaRue? Yeah. Like, does she even exist like, who is anymore? She? Yeah. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer either. But I feel like that's maybe why the end of the book wasn't super satisfying because she doesn't really reckon with that at all. She's like, I'm still me and I'm going to sabotage Luke because that's what I've always wanted and I'm going to accomplish it. And I was not convinced yeah. that that was true. Yeah I, yeah. I think she comes out losing to him in their battle. Mm-hmm. So and Henry just comes out ten thousand percent on top. Yeah, I was like, okay. I mean, I get that there. I mean, there's a lot of things at play, and I didn't want him to die or anything. But what was his point? Why? Why was he? Why was he there? Why was he involved? I know. Like when he when they first meet, like I kind of thought he was gonna be. I guess maybe a lot more important to the story and the end of it than he was because he Mm -hmm. like you said he was just a blip in her life yeah and had no real impact on her as a person whereas like i feel like other people she met throughout her life did have a big Mm -hmm. impact on her and all he really did was serve as a tool for her to write and create in a way she never could before but that's it yeah. Like, she had this... I, I do think she had a really big transformative impact on him. Yeah. But we see her having a transformative impact on lots of people yeah. over history. And so it. I felt like I was supposed to really feel like Henry and Addie's relationship was significant and that they changed one another. And I did not feel that way. I felt... Like he, we could have swapped him out for any other person and it would have been fine. We could have just continued on. He was, he was so insignificant. I feel like in the grand scheme of things that it's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. I also, this is a total tangent, but I also have a lot of beef with the fact that she, to our knowledge, never travels beyond europe and the united states this woman's been alive for hundreds of years and you're telling me she never made it to the continent of asia or africa south america africa yeah when she talks about like how she loves art and she loves performances and 
all this stuff and new experiences. And I'm like, okay, but why are we only in, like, the Western world exclusively? Yeah. Like, I guess she probably couldn't fly on a plane because that people forget her, but... She got over to the U.S. somehow. Yeah, so she made she it to the gone States. To, yeah, she could have gone to Asia if she wanted to. And she could have figured it out. Yeah, that's true. It was definitely a focused on, like, Western art. Uh, yeah. The story was. Yeah. Big romanticization that... of New York City. <laughs> yeah. Going on here. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, this city seems so clean. <laughs> And all these new discoveries she makes constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe New York really is like that. I've only been there like twice, so I don't know. Um, you also have something in our notes about commentary on women. Oh, Did you have a point about that? Yeah, so I just think it's interesting that we started out with the purpose. The reason she enters into this deal is because she's so desperate to leave this life that women are sort of subjected to. Mm-hmm. But then we don't really get any commentary after the fact of what that has like meant for her now in the, like now that she's in 2015, does that still impact her? Like, are we saying that women are not held back anymore and that she can see all the art and she can do all the things and have all the experiences and it doesn't matter? Is that, is it supposed to tell me how far we've come in history? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't touch on that ever again. I kind of wonder if part of it is because she, I feel like she ends up hanging out once she gets like out of where she was born and kind of into big cities and learns to survive. She ends up kind of thriving in like progressive circles because she's, she's interacting with really influential and famous artists. And so I kind of wonder if maybe she just never really had to think about women's role too much after that, because she wasn't really faced with this like certain future of being forced Mm -hmm. to be a wife and a mother for the rest of her life. Once she got out, she was always just a muse. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's interesting because we don't really get any reckoning with her ever conveying or not reckoning, but just like letting us know I didn't ever want to be like to this day, hundreds of years later, I still don't want to be a wife or a mother. That desire never came in for me, which is very possible. We just don't know. Or we get all these moments in history of her interacting with all these different men and these different artists. But like what about the suffragette movement? Like, did she roll up to that? Did she, like, feel that way? I don't know. There's just, like, I think the choice of historic time periods was odd to me because it was so focused in, like, early, early European history and, like, we don't get anything about World War II or, like, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Like, all this time where we see a lot of reckoning over equality and what it means to treat humans appropriately and like race and all of and like class and all of that stuff we there was a huge reckoning of that within like what the 20th century over the course of that entire century and that's the century that we don't get anything 
yeah. rum on her. That's and true. it seems really strange to me because the Addie that we get exposed to seems like somebody who would be really invested in those issues and like really want to see the people who have a seat at that table and like be a part of those moments. But we just don't get those. I don't know. It just seemed odd that we skipped from like 1800 to 2015 and we don't get anything in between. That's true. I didn't think too much about that, but it does really kind of gloss over those <laughs> last two centuries before we get to 2015. And I wonder if that's because it was mostly focusing on like really iconic art periods. I mean, there were plenty of iconic art say, periods later, but it was all about like early European art and then <laughs> and then it suddenly modern art, I don't know. It was it was all over the place. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. I I I really enjoyed the writing. I thought it was really beautiful, but I think the plot was very predictable. I think the commentaries were very surface level and like not particularly deep. And I just think that the ending was was unsatisfying. So now final rating. What did you say before? Was it like six, six point five? I gave it a six point five, and I think I'm gonna stick with that purely because the writing was so good, and I do think that we started out with an a really original idea. I don't yeah. really feel like we ended super originally, um, mm-hmm. but I do think the original concept was very interesting to me. And the writing style was beautiful. So 6.5. Yeah, I would say mine has come down to match yours. I, I'll give it a 6.5 because it, like you said, it. I enjoyed reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing style was beautiful. I always love books about art. I love when art mm-hmm. is a theme, um, when creativity is a theme. And it definitely was throughout this story. So I feel like, and I connected with the book because of that, but just all of the plot points kind of fell flat for me. And it was like sad to read a lot of the times. So that also brings yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah. It was a big downer. Um, I would love to hear or read a review from someone who like, like a detailed review from someone who just sobbed to this book or like who felt mm-hmm. like it was really life changing because like I went in expecting that and I didn't get it. And I want to know what I'm missing. I'm really sorry if anyone listening like yeah. just really loved this book and this review is kind of <laughs> a downer. I feel like we tend to do this with pretty much every book. Oh, we yeah. just always love to be critical, even if we really enjoyed the book. So there you have it. We're going to be is. critical. But I liked this book and I would recommend it to people. I would just yeah. maybe not be like, oh my God, I sobbed and it changed my life. Yeah, no, I and I think that maybe that's the bulk of the discontent is that people did hype it up so much that it underperformed versus if I had just picked it up from off the shelf, I would have been like a solid find, you know, a solid yeah. pull. And I yeah. and I am interested to read more of B.E. Schwab's um, work, especially a series where she mm-hmm. can maybe pull the plot out a bit more yeah. and give me a little bit more nuance, but... Yeah, I've yeah. heard good things about the Vicious series, so. Yeah. 
I would like to read it as well. Follow us on Instagram <laughs> at the Great Obsession Pod. Email us at the Great Obsession Pod at gmail.com. Listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And leave us a five star review if you enjoy this podcast. And that's all I've got. Bye. Bye.